I think what's what's become clearer, certainly in the last few years, as competition in the game industry has really stepped up, is that there's a fundamental difference between a great game and a great game business. You know, you could be super lucky, you your game is an instant hit, it's resonating with users, but for when that's not the case, uh, or even when you just want to take your game growth to the next level, that's where we come in. So we've developed a really incredible platform that's designed to make you as powerful and as capable as possible in growing your game, whether that's growing your game revenue or growing your user base. That was Melissa Zella, VP of Marketing at IronSource. This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming is building the world's gaming community by helping game makers, developers, and publishers to build, grow, and monetize their games. They do do this by providing research-based insights, in-depth case studies, as well as wide variety of educational materials. A recent example of this is Games Marketing Insights for 2021, a report that has just been released and is available to download for free right now. Of course, Facebook Gaming also helps developers and publishers of all sizes to deploy powerful UA and monetization strategies through a range of innovative solutions designed for games marketers in every corner of the industry. Go to fb.gg forward slash DOF for in-depth educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports, as well as great video content. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppsFlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppsFlyer's latest product, the incrementality solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppsFlyer's incrementality solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest you head out to appsflyers.com. Hello and welcome everyone. Today we are going to be talking about how to design games for a female audience. And we'll cover genres, motivations, mechanics, and a lot more. But to speak to these issues, we have with us first, Joanna Marquez, a senior product manager in the games industry with a lot of experience in these types of games. Second, Marina Laramenko, a lead game designer at GameHouse. And finally, Renata Caldani, a brand manager at Square Enix Montreal. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hi, guys. (laughs) Hey. So I thought we could first start just by asking the question in terms of who are these female gamers playing mobile games today? And like, how would you actually characterize this audience if you were to try to describe that female audience? In recent years, um, female audience on mobile was growing rapidly. And uh, there is right now more than 50% of female players. So it's, it's very exciting, and um, I think it's worth uh, talking about what are, the, yeah, what, are, what are the different types of female players, because it's, it's not just one. Um, and 
yeah, so for example, Google research was showing that 65% of female players have actually very wide range of, uh, of, of age. It's like from 10 to 65. So we do know that um, there are a lot of, for example, mastery players that are that tend to be uh, more mature, 35 to 65. Uh, but we talk less somehow about the younger audience. Um, so we call them, right now they're called Gen Z. Um, so it's from, from 18 to 25. And uh, they are the ones that are um, changing the market currently. So we have a lot of... Uh, um, genres, for example, um, and female players that prefer these genres that came from Facebook gaming uh, to mobile, but there is also different, uh, uh, in some cases, more mid-core games that are uh, popular for Gen Z female audience. And uh, it's very interesting to see that, I'm saying mid-core, and we'll talk about it later, that uh, this is usually this kind of stereotype that women don't play mid-core or hardcore even, and it's mostly for men, but it's becoming less and less relevant to say that. And the last point I want to make is that um, still women don't don't take themselves as, as players or as hardcore players, um, because in some cases um, they feel that it's not... Uh, um, so basically, they shouldn't be playing games and they should be doing some, some other things and it's not as widely accepted. But in reality, uh, there is data that shows that female players play more sessions per, per week, for example, than men. They also, also convert more. So in reality, um, they are quite hardcore in the way they play. Um, so, yeah. I think maybe, can I ask you a little bit more about that just to kind of break it down yeah. a little bit? So you're saying that for... For the female audience, you have this older audience that are generally playing games like Match 3. And then yeah. you're saying the younger part of the female audience, are those the ones that are more the more mid-core, hardcore type of players? Or is it does it span the breadth? And for that younger female audience, what are the types of games they, they are playing? Okay, so... Yeah, I was saying that uh, it's becoming more accepted by female players to enter different mid-core, hardcore games. And usually it is this younger audience, you know. So we started hearing um, a lot about girls playing Fortnite, girls playing, uh, well, different Roblox games. But there are other games, for example, like Genshin Impact, that is uh, kind of quite recent. And it has an even gender split. So, you know, it's really surprising. It's not something that we as game developers are used to think about, you know. Um, but of course, these Gen Z um, uh, players, they also play other games like uh, episode choices. You know, this is something that is known to be popular for younger audience. Um, so it's just a bigger spread of genres that is, uh, and, and also to talk about is like um, the younger uh, boys and girls, they grew up with mobile uh, in their hand and it's, it's more natural for them to play games on mobile, you know, versus older generation that they were migrating to, to smartphones and for them was, well, it took them time to adapt to how they need to, you know, interact with games basically. Okay. Any other thoughts? You, you brought up a, a very interesting topic about like women not considering the, themselves gamers, because uh, some some time ago I read a study about from Activision about uh, moms that play games, 
And they said that around 70% of moms play games on a daily basis and they don't play only mobile. They also play PC and console on a, on a daily basis. So the, I feel that there is like, because of this misconception, there is a, a big part of the market that is uh, like the decision and that people are not building games for them. Yeah, and also too, I think there's also the stereotype, you know, when we talk about gamers, you know, right away you think it's a male that plays the AAA, you know, console games in their basement for hours and hours. So um, maybe like this non-gamer audience, they really don't connect or don't don't put a label on them, um, like mirroring this image. Um, and the other aspect that we are mentioning is that you know, some women feel guilty about playing games. You know, we are expected to be doing, be working, to be working out, taking care of ourselves and families and whatever. Uh, and seeing as you playing game, it's kind of like, why are you doing that? You know, what in the fear. So there's also this fear of being judged um, that kind of push them and say, hey, I'm not a gamer. You know, I just play so when I can, but um, don't put a label on me that that's not who I am. Renata, do you think that that would then impact the kinds of games that, that women want to play? Just because if you don't want to be perceived as playing a game, then you want to play the kind of games that you could kind of play a little bit discreetly, shorter session times, kind of less, not as long. It's not like you're going to be sitting on the couch in front of the family, you know, in front of the PS4 or something like that. So is, is yeah. that? Okay. So I think it, it it also helps with it, right? I think also the options that are out there kind of make us choose this path or that path as well. So I think it's all a combination of factors of, yes, there's the games that are out there, there's this stereotype, there's this misconception of, 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 of the audience that kind of makes us kind of put a, the female uh, audience in a box and say, hey, this is who they are and this is what they play make right. more a hundred thousand uh, uh games about this and right. and and let's go and can we dig into more details about that part the misconceptions so you know when i think of the female audience i'm probably pretty biased right so i'm thinking you know you, we mentioned match three and we mentioned like i'm thinking about the female audiences like older match three players like if you were to break it down a little bit more specifically, or if we were to talk about some of the other misconceptions, Marina, you mentioned some hardcore types of gameplay also for the female audience. Could we talk about maybe what are some of those games or some of the other misconceptions that people have about the female audience? Yeah, I could talk about the part of the mid-core games actually, uh, because okay. I was pulling some data from Sensor Tower. I wanted yeah. to see a bit of the gender split, for example, for um, well, mostly for mobile, and uh, there were some games that were really surprising, like games like Empires and Puzzles and, uh, you know, uh, Raid Shadow Legends. You would imagine that maybe there is like, I don't know, 5% of female players, but in reality, it's uh, it's more, um, you know, it's 30 plus percent, which is still not high, but that was already a surprise for me. Right. But then I was looking at games like Minecraft, Game of Thrones, Conquest, um, uh, Dragon Raja, uh, Identity V, and uh, they have over 50% of female players, again, according to this data. But 
for me, it still was pretty, pretty impressive, you know. Right. Um, and uh, it shows that even though these are not female mainly uh, games, but uh, it, there is a lot of misconception that that women don't like midcore, they don't like hardcore, um, they don't want to invest their time in it because it's too demanding, for example. Um, and I, I think and I assume that this is younger audience, this is not your typical maybe, um, well, my street player that would play these games, maybe some do, but not probably the majority. So I think this is kind of a, um, well, a trend or, or thing that was happening in recent years that for girls, for women, it just uh, uh, became quite um, quite okay, quite normal to try these games, and and it, and it works, you know. Like in China, for example, I saw one article that uh, uh, Honor of Kings from Tencent um, has 54% of female players, which is uh, over 300 millions, and <laughs> this just completely uh, destroyed all my misconceptions about this topic. Right. Stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsor, Square Enix Montreal, and then we will be right back. So stay tuned. Hey, everybody. If you've played Lara Croft Go, Hitman Sniper, or Hitman Go, then you know Square Enix Montreal. Guess what, guys? The studio is looking for top talent to create the mobile games of tomorrow today. Square Enix Montreal pushes the boundaries of AAA gameplay and stunning design for mobile screens, and the team there is working on three new games, including a game with augmented reality features and a game based on an entirely brand new IP. The Montreal-based studio has over 25 open positions. That's right, 25 open positions, including executive producer, BI analyst, and art director. So if you are looking for a new opportunity, you're going to want to visit semmtl.com slash DOF to find out more. There's a link in the show notes, so check it out. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody, and let's continue our discussion on building games for a female audience. Maybe we can also talk about, so we talk about misconceptions about the female audience and in terms of like, it, it seems like there's a lot more nuance to the female audience, older, younger, but also to your point, I think identity is also um, a game that targets a Chinese audience pretty broadly, right? And so yes. do you think that it's possible that maybe there are also geographical or cultural differences given that Honor of Kings mainly targeting you know, a Chinese audience, identity mainly China. So do, do you think there may be something where Chinese women are into different kinds of games than other women in, in other countries? Yes, I can. I can answer this, but if you want, Joanna, I don't want to steal. That. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just going to say that. Um, I mean, I, I don't have any data to back this up, but uh, the impression that I have is that the maybe the Asian market is, or, or the the women in the Asian market is, have been more exposed historically to games, so they are already a more mature audience that already takes uh, on more midcore and hardcore games, right. but. But I also think that that is becoming true in the West. So like Marina was saying, we have games that are already appealing for to broader audiences, not just like exclusively female or, or exclusively male. Like, I don't know, the Genshin Impact, even in the US, it's an almost 50% split. And I also, have, I also believe that there is a lot of, there is a lot of, 
to do with marketing and how the game is sold to the audience. Because we see games that on the same genre, uh, like for example, Match Street Puzzle, there are games that are exclusively like almost uh, 100% male audience. And then you have games like Empires and Puzzles that sell the game in a way that is more appealing to women. And then the, the audience is more split. Like uh, at least for me, Empires and, and Puzzles has like that female warrior in the front page, and it's super attra- attractive and appealing to me because I can I can like feel I'm represented there. So, so I think that there there's those both sides. So on one hand, like the audience is becoming more mature, and on the other hand, I think there are some companies that are able to sell the game and to produce a game that uh, that fits a more broader audience that also includes women and i think that ties again with the misconception that we'll be talking about right like yeah um the content that has been created for women so far it's really like simplistic simplistic and stereotypical so you know like we are expected that we all like cute farms you know storytelling pink things and that's not necessarily the true, you know, that there's this wide range of, of females that have different uh, interests, different play motivations, different behaviors when playing games. And that uh, without really understanding, we just go back to this misconception of patronizing women and the type of uh, content they want to consume. Right. And Jenna, I thought you brought up a really interesting point about the marketing to women so that it's kind of on both sides. It's on the one hand, do we have the right product for women? And then on the other side, are we actually marketing and pulling women into the game in the appropriate way? And so I, I was wondering if you guys could think about that or, or could talk a little bit more about that in the sense of like, if you have a game, how would you, how do you guys think about marketing towards women or figuring out how to make a game more appealing in terms of whether it's creatives or the messages that you're trying to come up with when you're trying to market to women for a specific type of game. And even to your point, one that you might not think is particularly, you know, it has a misconception where it's it's like, okay, there, there's this kind of hardcore match three empires and puzzles, for example, but we're gonna try and, and market it to women specifically. Like, so yeah, please, please <laughs> what do you guys think in terms of that? I think if I can start, uh, marketing uh, role is also equally important as the game team, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, independent in the stage of the of the development of the of the product, um, I think marketing is also there to break this misconception and do their due diligence and learning more about this audience and teach the game team, teach stakeholders, you know, uh, teach uh, whoever. Um, um, it's part of this the, this project and really questioned like what are we doing why we are doing that and put it in place either through research studies tests um, data that also support us in the argument you know so we just say oh i think they will like this like actually no actually we have data uh to back it up actually we kind of we did this study and we un- understand this audience you know and and it's it's the important of the when the project's been in the uh, pre-product, I guess, or being like even before that, when it being like just the concept is being discussed, I think the marketing role is really important to be present since early stages to make sure 
the audience is clearly defined from day one and is fair represented and um, the game team understand who they're making this game for. And as the game progresses, marketing's role is to continue to remember that, you know, because, you know, productions <laughs> go left and right and validates that with the audience, right? So, hey, either for the community uh, initiatives as well, it's like, is this what you guys want to see? Is this in the, going in the right direction? And kind of bring it, the, the, the audience closer to, to the development process. And then towards the end, of course, it comes the messaging, right? Like who and the channels and what to say and what the creatives, what to show. Um, so I think it, it's important to have marketing involved since the beginning uh, to make sure uh, game team, audience, and the game features, is, they're all aligned uh, to, to this audience that we're creating the game for. And I know we've talked about specific games that are doing well or that have a high percentage of female audience. But I was wondering if you could also, in terms of if we could take lessons from the industry, what's out there, are there any other specific games or game companies that are doing doing this right? Like attracting the female audience in the right way? And what are the specific things that you would say they are doing that is you know better than other companies in terms of the female audience? On my, on my side, uh, I would say that uh, game-wise, um, I, I like a lot of design home, and I think they're doing a great job in not just game mechanics, but try also bringing another approach into the market in the sense that, you know, their art direction is more realistic, you know, it's towards a more mature audience, you know, it's more focused on their motivation, which is more self-expression through customization, um and you know like in community right you share community vote and, and you have that aspect in terms of marketing and we talked about you know breaking the misconception and also being you know innovative you can talk about you know uh mentioned that kind of with the ua assets um ua ads kind of started breaking this mode of just showing you know exactly what's in the game so it kind of like shook the 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 marketing a little bit there, and there's also Lily's Garden, right? With um, it took a step further than what uh, uh, Mention mentioned did, and kind of put it like a more daring. It uh, became a bit more dar daring in terms of subject, right? So it kind of yeah. shed a, another light on women topics or or on how to approach those topics, how to talk with women that before either it was a taboo or it was just like the traditional approach, you know, you know, like women like this and like that, don't say this, don't say that and so on. Yeah, so I would I say Lily's Garden um, in particular seems to have done a pretty good job on the marketing front, right? Like, so we, we see like some of the statistics after some of their tweets and things like that and like the downloads have spiked and- Yeah, spiked, uh, yeah, exactly. And they, they you know, they, they took it a chance, right? Like you're like, yeah. okay, let's, let's see what happens. Uh, and it just went viral. Like people were shocked. It's like, what, you know, can you <laughs> even say that? Like, is it even like allowed, you know, like right. for us to, to say that and, and it became viral because people related, you know, like, you know, women also, you know, use emojis, use a certain type of emojis, you know, talk about certain subjects with their friends and, and all that. So, it kind of became more relatable instead of putting women in this 
this spectrum that you know like they're like can't do that they're like untouchable right. you know right so you said design home but for me it was interesting example of uh, covet fashion that is similar like mechanic wise but since the game is about uh, uh well collecting clothes and uh, decorating your uh, well changing the look of your avatar and then participating in pvp um pvp events uh, at one point players were kind of um, craving for having different uh, model because they they felt that this character was not really representing them that much you know so basically they asked for a um, bigger variety of of skin color a bigger variety of body shapes because they were tired of uh, the classic very very slim uh, model and uh, that is something that many female players are praying for they really want to have these kind of relatable characters and not the uh, you know in, in midcore and I think there is still this problem um the companies are doing characters female characters with tiny waist you know little clothes very um, exaggerated certain parts of the body and women just don't necessarily like it I mean some of them might like it but you don't yeah you don't we don't all look the same you know or we don't look like that at all so that's why sometimes it prevents women from playing these games because they can't really associate themselves with this you know um yeah with this character so as I said COVID fashion did a good step uh towards that and uh, I know like I'm playing Harry Potter Hogwarts mystery which is uh well largely driven by story, but you also have your character. And they also started adding a little bit more diverse uh, um, customization options and diverse characters. And uh, I think it, it makes a difference. I mean, maybe you can't say that, you know, I can measure it in a specific KPI, but it makes a difference. Um, so these are the games that are maybe doing, uh, are a little bit kind of ahead of the market on doing this, uh, uh, yeah, adapting to the audience needs. But as, as we were saying before, there is so many different female players, you know, some of them would like and would want this very classic approach to gaming, you know, maybe those that used to play Facebook games or I don't know. But there are some that typically is usually uh, these Gen Z audience that they are craving for a very different approach, you know, very different uh, uh not consumables, but very different uh, way of representing themselves and different way of consuming story, gameplay, etc. You know, a couple of the games that you you have mentioned, Covet Fashion, Design Home, one of the things that I notice when I actually visit friends at like Glue and I kind of look around in the lunchroom, I'm like, wow, there's, there's a lot more women here than in a typical mm -hmm. game studio. And so I was wondering if you could also talk about in terms of on the creator side or the studio side, when you're developing games for women, does it help or should you have more women as part of the team that's developing the games so that you can have a better game adapted for the female audience? What, what do you think about that? I think that's, a, that's an important point um, because I think traditionally games have been made by men and for men. Right. So, and I think that that also pictures like creates a picture of how the market has has been so far. And and it's not that men can't do games for women. I don't believe that's true. I think if a man, if someone 
from the male uh, side of the of the uh, of the var if they try to understand the audience of course they can do a game for for women and for a female audience but it just like every depending on the genre and the culture and everything else and all all of these factors that affect how we grow up we we grow up with different points of views and if you just have one it's hard to create something because in the end games are a creative industry and it's hard to create something for people that you don't understand. So the wider the point of view you, you have on a team, the more varied experiences you'll, you'll be able to create and the more broader the audience you'll, you'll be able to, to reach. Uh, maybe it's more about diversity in teams, you know, in general, rather than having men and women, I mean, there is a different cultural background. There is uh, many, many things, you know, that uh, can play a big role. And sometimes I work with uh, women and it's it's not like a hundred percent correlation that the woman would understand understand the, the female audience the game is targeting, you know. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you, you need to be definitely a kind of paying attention to diversity in general. Yeah, and I think we should also avoid to say, uh, because you're a woman, you have to work in a game for women you know like and some women don't want to and that's fine you know and there are others that want to and that's great too so i it should kind of avoid like oh because of a woman here that's the only type of game you can work on or should be worked on but besides what the girl said yes like have a more inclusive um environment too but also have women in leadership positions you know so um to really have strong voices driving the product um, decisions for towards the project as well that would help um, and also making sure that you have a, a welcoming place for women you know like it's not just like hey uh, come make a game and then you know they never have their, this space to speak up or you know it's not not safe uh, uh, towards them so that making sure that we respect the boundaries as well um, would help us to make a, a better product. Okay, so I have one final question, which is really around future trends. And so when you think about the female audience and whether it comes to, whether it's themes or IP or mechanics or genres, what do you think is the future in terms of like, if we're trying to make a game for the female audience, how should people be thinking about some of those different things? I, I, I think for me, I would say that you know, gone are the days of one size fits all approach, mm -hmm. you know, uh, especially for the for this audience uh, who is demanding more customized, more personalized and richer experience. So for me, um, I think the future sorry, <clears throat> is really about creating more diverse and relatable content um, to serve this audience um, and make sure we reduce the gender gap with the there's the misconceptions that we've been talking about uh, and really uh, start focusing more okay how we can make content that speak to this audience and attracts them and make them feel comfortable and represented in a way um, when playing this game I, I think uh, several companies are starting to understand that the there is a shift in the in the market and that the audience itself is changing and it's more open to 
to more mid-core mechanics and uh, I don't know to um, competition and and social layers that uh, many games didn't have before. And also, I think uh, lots of games are, are starting to understand that UX is very important. And in the end, the like like I said before, the the female audience is is getting more mature over time, right? But there are there are many things that uh, like many schemas that women don't didn't learn yet. So I think more casual games are taking. Casual games are taking a, a deeper approach to the UX side of, of the games to make it more approachable to women. Even with deeper mechanics and a UX that is more approachable, it will make it easier to for women to enter and learn and start playing. So hopefully that that is a trend that will continue to to soar. Yeah, uh, for me that's uh, I would say I've seen in some games I was working in for female audience that is usually um, characterized as casual. Um, and I've seen, for example, uh, in King, we're using certain types of uh, features or elements borrowed from more mid-core games. And they work just fine, really very well. So I think this is going to be a more and more common thing because normally casual games, which is not only much three actually, but many different genres, um, they lack the monetization depth, and that's usually something that is mid-core and hardcore games are stronger for. So I think this trend will keep happening. And on the other side, seeing success in Asia and the size of the audience, female audience in Asia and type of games that they're engaging with, I think and I really hope that... Uh, in, in the Western, on the Western market, um, this shift will also start happening. So either release of the more mid-core games uh, on, more, on mobile that will target a wider audience and just a specific type of male audience, you know, or even, for example, there was a game and there is still a game called Lovniki Dress Up Queen that is uh, a mid-core with uh, a theme that is appealing to women, like, uh, collecting clothes and dressing up and doing all these things, but you still have a very, very big layer of RPG. And uh, it was, uh, I mean, it is huge. In China, for example, it had uh, mild success in US. But I think it, since it had success in US, you know, our audience is, as I said, maturing, evolving, and eventually we'll get there. And I hope that there will be more and more games appearing like that. Okay, awesome. Well, Joanna, Marina, Renata, thank you very much for your time. And maybe just as a final wrap up, do you have any final words of advice for the audience? And if there's a way for someone to contact you, is there a good way to contact you? So on my side, I hope to see developers taking bigger risks when creating games for women. And also that teams become more diverse, because I think that's how we will be able to cater to a more diverse audience and take the mobile market into the next phase. And if you want to contact me, uh, LinkedIn is a good way to do so. Yep. For me, I would say, you know, like, let's keep working hard. Let's keep pushing the boundary um, the way that we can. And above all, let's keep supporting each other. 
um, and push uh, the mobile game or the gaming as a whole to to the next phase of gaming for women. And yes, you can reach me. Sorry for uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn as well. Um, for me, I would hope that as an industry, we will also evolve. And as you were saying before, like, should we have more women working in gaming? I think yes, for sure. And I think this will help as well to bring certain perspective and help to uh, build better games for women. Um, I'm also a second in John on like being more risky, you know, not being kind of uh, stopped by some cliches and misconceptions about female audience and trying new things. Uh, yeah, trying to be kind of closer to the audience. I do recommend to do uh, audience study um, when you are developing your game, like really in depth. I think it really helps to have uh, certain, well, certain assumptions confirmed and maybe certain misconceptions broken. Um, and during the course of development, uh, I would recommend to keep this contact with your audience, you know, like, I don't know, either organize play tests or like get your qualitative data, compare with the KPIs and develop, you know, the next uh, generation of games for female audience. So if you want to reach out to me, uh, LinkedIn as well would work. All right. Okay, thank you again for your time and insights. I personally found it very helpful. And for the audience, we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you.